0: Good morning. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your love that you always invite us to come back to you. And when we come back to you, we always find restoration. So Lord, today as we hear your word preach, we pray that you will restore us with your love. Thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, we continue with our series on Hebrews as we consider following Jesus, pressing on to maturity. So far in our series, we have considered the danger of drifting, the danger of doubting, the danger of downness. There is a certain progression, okay? The believer who begins to drift from the word of God will soon start to doubt God's word. And he will soon become dull towards God's word and become lazy in his spiritual life and in his spiritual disciplines. This will result in despising Christ and the word, both the living word and the written word, which we are going to consider today. Do not ignore the danger of despising. Oftentimes when we think of despising God, despising the Word, and despising Christ, who do you think of? Unbelievers, right? Unbelievers. Surely, they despise the written Word and the living Word. And that is why they are called unbelievers. But it is not just the unbelievers. Isaiah 53, verse 3 tells us this, Christ was despised and rejected by unbelievers. No, by the whole of mankind. Christ was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Mankind Unbelievers and believers included, sadly. We despise him. We hold him with low esteem. Christ is despised by mankind. So, Christians, be careful. Be careful that we do not despise Christ and the Word. After all, the book of Hebrews is written to believers, not unbelievers. So when we read Hebrews, we need to ask ourselves this important question, do I despise Christ? Most believers would fall all over themselves to deny such an accusation because we oftentimes profess our deep love for God. But I hope that today, we can have an honest appraisal of the depths of our depravity within our own heart and arrive at humble confession and repentance so that we can press on to maturity in our following of Christ. It is so important for us to take a deep, hard look at our soul and ask the piercing question, Do I despise God's word? Do I despise Christ? And that is the question I want us to keep in mind today as we open our Bibles to Hebrews uh, Hebrews 10, starting with verse 19. Alright? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 reads like this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us, Through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Brothers and sisters, previously we were not able to go near God. We were far away from God. But now we have the confidence to enter the most holy place because our sins are atoned for by the blood of Christ and he has opened for us through the curtain. And he has become a great high priest over the house of God. And Christ invites us through the writer of Hebrew with a series of let us, found in verses 22 to 25. The first let us is found in verse 22. Verse 22 reads like this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We are to draw near to God with purity. God has provided us the means through Christ. In the Old Testament, when people came to Jerusalem to the temple, when they first entered the temple, the first thing that they will encounter is a basin of water. For them to cleanse themselves. Cleanse their hands. But New Testament Christians, we don't just go to the toilet before worship service and wash our hands to cleanse us. Sure, if you want to do that, fine and well. But beyond that, it is Christ who washes us. We must come to God. The point is this. We must come to God clean. We must come clean with God. When we come for worship service, I hope that we come clean with God. Yes, we come as we are. God accepts us. God knows that we are sinners. He knows our specific sin. When we did it, how we did it, and why we did it, and yet He welcomed us with open hands. But, don't leave the sanctuary with your sin. Come, come clean with God. Believe in the finished work of Christ. We can come with a pure heart and a clean conscience. Pure heart and clean conscience. How do we come, draw near to God with a pure heart and a clean conscience? By trusting the Lord Jesus Christ whose blood cleanses us. If our heart is not pure, our conscience is unclean, the solution is not to run far away from God and hide. That was exactly what Adam did. Remember? He can eat any fruit from any tree except from that particular one tree, the forbidden fruit. He cannot eat. After he ate it, what happened? he realized that he was naked and he was ashamed. Before he ate the fruit, he was naked but unashamed. There's a difference. We can be naked and unashamed before God. And then what happened? After that, with his shame, it drove him to hide from God. He made a covering for himself. The first swimming trunk. He made a covering for himself, or underwear, huh? that I, I believe was the first underwear, made out of leaf from a fig tree. And God came searching for him, right? Remember that? God called out his name. God called his name. And God sacrificed an animal and took the ladder and provided him a more permanent covering, pointing to Christ. When we sin, I want us to know that today, God is calling your name. God wants to cover you. Let us not run away from God. Let us draw near to Christ. Don't despise the word And don't despise the finished work of Christ. Secondly, let us hold unswervingly. Verse 23 reads like this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Do not despise God. Don't waver. Don't drift. Take hold. Hold fast. Hold unswervingly. Don't let go. Hold unswervingly to what? Not to our good works. Not to our salvation. Hold unswervingly to what? Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. What is the hope we profess? In Hebrews... There are a lot of hope. First one, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. God is bringing many sons and daughters, if I may add, to glory. God is bringing us to glory. Secondly, believers are partakers of the heavenly calling and therefore we can rejoice in hope. That is Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 9 tells us that we. Look forward to Christ to return. In Hebrews chapter 13, we seek that city that is yet to come. This, my friends, is the hope that we profess. Hold on to this hope. In your trials, in your temptations, in your difficult times, hold on to this hope. Don't drift. God who promised is faithful. When a believer has his hope fixed on Christ and relies on the faithfulness of God, not hoping in our own works and our faithlessness, then he will not waver. When we depend on our own good works, we waver. Because sometimes, we fail. When we depend on our own resources, we waver. Why? Why? Because we have limited resources. When we depend on our own vision, our own ambition, we waver. Why? Because we are not in control. And when things do not go our way or as per our plan, we waver. Don't waver. We should be looking forward. Looking forward, that is one who hopes. The one who hopes always lives in the future. Of course, he lives in the present, but he's always looking at the future, not at the past. So I want to encourage us to live for the future. It is said, you can't drive a car looking at your rearview mirror. Unless you're parking la, but you can't arrive in JB. or in KL looking at your rearview mirror driving. We must look ahead with hope. Don't despise the word and the promise of Christ. Third let us let us consider one another. Verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Some of the wavering, drifting Christians had been missing themselves from church fellowship. And the writer of Hebrews used that term, right? as some are in the habit of doing. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. I've highlighted three phrases. Spur one another, not giving up meeting together, and encouraging one another. Why? Because Christianity is not selfish. Christianity is selfless. We don't only think of ourselves, we think of others. Note with me that the emphasis here is not on what a believer gets from the church, but what he can contribute. Spurring one another, that is a contribution. Meeting together, that is a contribution. Encouraging one another is also a contribution. Some may argue that one's faith is private. So I don't have to be in a church fellowship. I can continue to worship God alone online. Yes, your faith is private. But it is not exclusively private. Your faith is private as well as public. We do not just come together on Sunday and then Monday to Saturday you do not worship God. That is exclusively public. Exclusively private means you are on your own. You don't need the church. It is both. Monday to Saturday we have our private worship, right? We have our private reading of the word, right? But come Sunday, we come together publicly as a congregation to hear the preaching of the Word of God, to read the Word of God, and to pray together and worship God. One of the things that I missed during COVID was congregational worship. I tried to worship God alone. I'm quite a good singer, but still not good enough. You know, it's different. You sing on your own. You know, but when you come to church, you hear one another sing, you see the worship team sing, it is different. Oftentimes when I sing, I open my eyes, not looking at the word, words, but looking around at people. Why? Because it is such an encouragement, you know. When you see people worship God, it inspires you, it encourages you. That is why public worship is so important. It is not just private. Faith is always personal, yes, but never private. Faith is personal. It is between me and God, but faith is not private because there is an accountability. There is an accountability to one another. If we are not accountable, something is wrong. You know when I do not want to be accountable? It is when I sin. When I do my quiet time the whole week, huh? Pastor Isaac come and ask me, Leonard, how is your walk? I say good. Why right not? When I miss a few days, when he ask me, Leonard, how's your walk? I change topic. That's how it is, right? With all of us, it's the same we must be accountable. It is both personal but never private. It is not by coincidence that the cross is made up of two beams. right? One vertical beam and one horizontal beam. Vertical beam symbolizes your relationship with God while the horizontal beam represents your relationship with others. You need both to form a cross. It is both Private, personal, as well as public. You need both to be a Christian. To be a matured, healthy Christian. Faithful attendance in church fellowships spur one another to love and good deeds. Think about it. Faithful attendance in church fellowships spur one another to love and good deeds. Because if I'm on my own, I don't do it, nobody knows. And if that happens long enough, then I begin to drift, I become dull, and so on and so forth, and then I will despise God. So don't give up meeting together. Let us be faithful in our meeting together. Christ is coming back soon. Don't be like the wavering, drifting believers who had the habit of staying away from Church Fellowship. I know the past two years of COVID has brought along some new habits. Some good habits, some not so good habits. We are aware that possibly some of you worshipping with us online have joined us the past two years and all you know about church is online. I want to encourage you to come and visit us on site and then you understand what it means to do church together to worship the Lord together, to be accountable to one another so that we can go on this journey together. You can come and join us either on Saturday 7pm or on Sunday 10am at QBC. For those of us who are members or regular worshippers worshipping with us before COVID, you know what church is. Come back to church for worship and fellowship. Don't despise the word and the community of Christ. Something noteworthy is that in verses 22, 23 and 24, there are the three great virtues, the three great Christian virtues. Faith, hope and love. Let us draw near to God in faith. And then let us hope and then finally let us Love. The next two let us is coined by me. Not found in the Bible, but you will, you will get it, right? Verse 26 to 31 let us stop sinning. Verse 26 reads like this If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. The evidence of despising God and his word is in our willful sinning. This does not refer to a particular random act of sin but an attitude leading to repeated disobedience and sin. We cannot be a presumptuous sinner, claiming that the truth, you know, that God has forgiven all my sins, my past, my present, my future sin, and therefore I can go on sinning, because Christ already died for it. You need to heed this warning if you are a presumptuous sinner. Brothers and sisters, we have to deal with our attitude of repeated disobedience. Otherwise, we will continue to experience an internal tension with the Holy Spirit. Your conscience won't be clean. There will be a constant struggle within you. And you will experience stunted growth in our following of Christ. And worst of all, you face impending judgment of God. In short, you will be miserable if you go on sinning willfully and presumptuously. Verse 29. How much more severely, severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? You know like crushing an end with your foot? who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. What punishment do you think someone deserves? The one who tramples Christ under his feet? What punishment? What about the one who treats the blood of the covenant as unholy? What punishment do you think that person deserves? And what do you think the person deserves, the one who has insulted the Spirit of grace? In the Gospel, Jesus says, Every sin you committed, you will be pardoned. When you confess and repent, you will be pardoned. But there is one sin called the unpardonable sin. What is the unpardonable sin? the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Because these three things, Christ, the blood of Christ and the spirit of grace is what you call the means of grace that God uses to save us. If you despise these things, how can God save you? There was a Christian who was walking along a mountain and he fell. And as he was falling down the cliff, he held on to a branch. But the branch was giving way. And he was calling out for help. Nobody heard him. And he called out all the more louder. Still no help came. Finally, he cried out to God, God help me! And then suddenly there was a helicopter with a rope. And guess what? he held on to his branch and fell to his death. When he met God in heaven, he asked God, God, I cry out to you for help. Why didn't you help me? God said, I sent you the helicopter with the rope. That is God's means of grace. If we despise God's means of grace, God cannot save us. the one who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, cheapen the precious blood of Christ that sanctified you, insult the Holy Spirit of grace, God says he will avenge and he will repay. There's a Chinese saying, right? ZI FA FA You know the law and you still break the law. Your punishment will be harsh. those who know the word of God, those who know the experience, the grace of God, and yet despise God. It is dreadful. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God indeed. The Bible says it very plainly. There is no sacrifice of sin left for this person. Hence, you can expect God's judgment, raging fire that consumes the enemies of God. It is dreadful to fall into the hands of the living God. Yes, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God for judgment. But not yet, right? We are all still alive. God still is giving us a second chance. It is a wonderful thing That God is chastening us. That means your conscience is still alive, not dead. So if God is speaking to us today, don't harden your heart. It is a wonderful thing to fall into the hands of God for cleansing and restoration. What is the purpose of the conscience? It is so that we know that we have done wrong so that we can come back to God, confess our sins, repent, and ask for forgiveness and be restored. Oftentimes, trials and challenges of life has its purpose. It is for us to turn back to God when we face those difficult times. Don't run away when you sin. Turn back and draw near to God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 13, King David said, Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. This is KJV. <laughs> what is the context? King David had presumptuously sinned by counting his fighting men. He asked his generals to report strength. So, <laughs> counted the men and then He knew the number of fighting men that he had. This is what you call presumptuous sin. Actually, nothing wrong, right? Nothing wrong if I check my bank account. Right Right or not? Presumptuous, right? He depended on his own strength instead of waiting for God's command and trusting God. That was why he sinned. That is how he sinned. So God sent his messenger by the name of Gad to David with a multiple choice question, MCQ. First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 11. These are the verses preceding that verse that is on the screen. So Gad went to David and said to him, this is what the Lord says, take your choice. Firstly, three years of famine... Three months of being swept away before your enemies with the sword overtaking you or three days of the sword of the Lord, days of plague in the the land with the angel of the Lord ravaging every part of Israel. Now then, decide how I should answer the one who sent me. That is Gad's word to David. And David chose. David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is very great. But do not let me fall into human hands. David knew, David knew that he has sinned. So what shall I do if I am a willful sinner? If I sin presumptuously? If I did not pray before I take up a certain course or choose a certain job? or when to retire. You know, these are things that sometimes we are presumptuous about. Which school to choose for my child when it comes to secondary school? You choose the best school. (laughs) Because straight A student choose, of course, the best school. Presumptuously, right? What job do I take up? Which post do I apply for? We go with our ambition, right? Presumptuous. What shall I do? Let us stop sinning and read Psalm 51, which is King David's prayer to God after he willfully abused his power as king and sinned, committing adultery with Bathsheba and murdering her husband Uriah. David did not justify himself. David did not say, hey, I'm king. It is my entitlement because all the kings around me have many wives, many concubines, many girlfriends. When we sin, we sin. There's no need to justify. Don't look around and say, hey, today's society, very common, what? Everybody is divorcing. Not everybody, at least. It is very acceptable, right? Divorce people have girlfriend people have boyfriend you know even though when they are married they travel overseas before marriage is don't need to justify when our conscience is stirring respond to god david did not justify and he didn't theologize you know theologize means you try to make sense of theology the Holy Spirit convicted him that there was no amount of sacrifice could save him. He knew the law. He knew God's grace. And yet, he chose willfully to sin. He ought to be slain by God. But he cried out for God's mercy. All he could offer was a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. Friends, catch this. When we sin, don't run away from God. Draw near to God with a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Psalm 51 verse 16 to 17 says this, You do not delight in sacrifice. Why? Because the Bible tells us there is no sacrifice for the one who has despised God's means of grace. For the one who knows God's word and willfully chose to sin against it. There is no sacrifice. That's why David knows and he says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. And David goes on to say in verse 17, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. If you are a presumptuous sinner, what must you do? Come back to God with a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. God will not despise you. When was the last time you came to God with a broken spirit? When was the last time you came to God with a broken and contrite heart? Don't despise the word of God and don't despise Christ. So let us stop sinning and let us persevere in faith. And that is the last let us. Let us persevere. Verse 32 Remember those earlier days after you have received the light. When you endured in a great conflict full of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confisc- confiscation of your property. Because you knew that you yourself had better and lasting possessions, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly Rewarded. The writer of Hebrews reminded the Jewish believers that when they were sinners, they received the light of God's word. And how they had been willing to suffer reproach, persecution, and even loss of material possessions, and sometimes even facing death. And identified with other Christians who were being persecuted. At that time, your first love at at that time. Remember when you came to know the Lord, what were you willing to put on the table? What were you willing to surrender? When I came to know the Lord, I was persecuted. I was the first in the family. Some of us are first in the family. You understand what I mean. You were persecuted. I didn't go to jail. Lah. But I was persecuted. When I said grace at the dining table, because pastor teach me, ma, before you eat, must say grace. So I say grace, oh, my father got angry. So who bring back the rice? Your God or me? <laughs> nah, these are some of the little persecutions, right? I think you get the point. the writer of Hebrews reminded them, the readers, that when you first came, when you first encountered the light, you were willing. You were willing to surrender. You were willing to pay the price. And what is happening now? You are wavering. You have grown cold. You are dull. You despise God. Verse 36, you need to persevere so that you, when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in a just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who strings back. But we do not belong to those who string back. Let us say this. We do not belong to those who string back and are destroyed, but we are those who have faith and are saved. Brothers and sisters, you need to persevere. Live by faith, don't string back. Live by faith, don't string back. Have faith because you are saved. Persevere, keep on keeping faith. As long as we live by faith, our great high priest will guide us and he will perfect us. You will become matured. Many of us have done it. Hebrews has a hall of fame, right? The ones who have finished their race well, they have done it. If they have done it by the grace of God, you can also do it because that is the same grace of God that has helped them to complete their journey. We can't do it alone, as you can see. We need the encouragement of giants of past to encourage us. We need one another to encourage us to be accountable, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us build a faith community here in QBC. Live out our faith journey together. In our following of Jesus, press on towards maturity. Treasure God's word and Christ who died for you and not despise the word of God. And Christ. Help one another persevere in faith as we press on towards spiritual maturity. Christ is coming back soon. We can already see the finishing line. With all that is happening around the world, I don't have to go into the details. You know that it is messy out there. If you read your Bible, you know that these are signs of the second coming. It's escalating. Christ is coming back soon. We can see the finishing line. Don't give up. Only a few steps more. Don't give up. Beware. Beware of the danger of despising the living and the written word. So as a summary, let us draw near to God. Let us hold on unswervingly. Let us consider one another. Let us stop sinning. And let us persevere. What is your takeaway? takeaway is this. I believe the Holy Spirit has spoken. God has spoken. How are you responding to the word? I give us a few minutes for us. For us to spend time in prayer. I do not know how the Holy Spirit has stirred your heart. Perhaps you are far away from God. Perhaps you are wavering. Perhaps you are staying away from fellowship with the church. Perhaps you are a presumptuous sinner. Perhaps you are at the verge of giving up. Say a prayer to God. Confess your sin before Him. Repent and experience God's restoration. Father God, we come before you confessing that we have despised you. Lord, we don't want to come before you with our excuses to justify. But Lord, I want to say, Woe is me. Woe is me. I'm a sinner. Father God, I repent from my sin for being so presumptuous for being wanting to be in control to depend on my resources the very gifts that you have given to bless me has become my stumbling block us Lord we know that when we come before you with a broken and contrite heart you will not despise it you will take it you will mend it you will restore it because Lord you have a destiny for us thank you for your love we pray that your grace will be sufficient for us as we continue to persevere on this journey of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.